Thank you so much to the chorus for starting us out in that way that was somehow both rousing and calming. I'm not sure how you managed that. And welcome all to the Washington Ethical Society. I am Amanda Poppy. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I am honored to serve as the clergy leader here. I am so glad that you are with us this morning, whether you are in the room or joining us on Facebook. I'm particularly excited to be joined by our guest this morning, the Reverend Rebecca Savage. Rebecca, whose pronouns are she, her, and hers, is the Associate Minister at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Rockville, Maryland. She's also a military chaplain, and she's also a licensed pastoral counselor, and she's also a doctorate of ministry student at Wesley Theological Seminary, and she's also a mother to two wonderful children, so way to make me feel like a slacker, Rebecca. <laughs> I am an admirer of Rebecca's, and I am so glad that she is here today. Visitors and guests, we hope that you got a blue name tag so that we know who you are and we can welcome you and answer any questions that you might have. We love talking about why this community is important to us, and we are eager to hear what it is that you might be looking for. We hope that you'll join us after the platform service um, for, actually today, the Waffle Bar, which the teen group will hold to raise funds for an upcoming uh, conference in the lobby and in the social hall through the doors behind you. And we hope that you'll consider sharing your email with us on the gold sheet that's in your program so we can add you to our mailing list. You can drop that in the collection basket when it passes later in our platform service. I'd like to remind you to silence your electronic devices so you may be fully present this morning. Although while they are out and you are switching them to vibrate, feel free to check in on social media. And now I'd like to invite Shelby French to come forward and read our statement of purpose this morning. Shelby last year worked with our teen group and um, really I think enjoyed the opportunity to get to know some of our young people who are quite amazing. I want to make sure that folks know that those young people are heading out on the Youth for Ethical Societies conference next weekend and we have an, enough people going that we need another chaperone. We have six teens currently signed up so if you are available to join our youth at a conference in New York City next weekend they would uh, deeply appreciate the adult supervision. Actually, it's required. Um, <laughs> so please let me know or let Melissa know if you can join them for that. Uh, the Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith and human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We invite you to join our community of children and, and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Shelby, thank you so much. This year, Shelby is working with our tweens in their Justice Makers curriculum. As she lights the candle, I invite you to join in our candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Thank you so much. Each week we ring a chime in solidarity with people around the world. This week especially, 
I hold in my heart those in New York City who were affected by violence last week, the people of Puerto Rico who continue to suffer, and all veterans in this country, especially those who experience visible and invisible wounds of war. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. Our words of meditation come from the Reverend Mark Melatini from this manual called Bless All Who Serve, Sources of Hope, Courage, and Faith for Military Personnel and Their Families. During wartime, one day I pray in clear and clean windows, reflections of families at supper, not mouths open in fear. One day I pray, in wide hot streets, clean air not belching oily smoke. One day I pray, on warm spring nights, the sound of crickets not wailing or gunshots. One day I pray, in human hearts, a prayer of thanksgiving for a peace that has lasted a hundred years. Not a truce, mind you, but an era of peace, full and rich and just. May our children live to see such a world. O oh, love, O oh, love, may all children live. What indeed can we do? We can breathe. We can feel heartache, we can breathe, we can be loyal to spring, we can breathe. We can remember the difference between what we do, what we can do, before we have thought, and what we can do after we have thought, we can breathe. We can remember the ways our feelings can serve our mind, we can breathe. We can refuse to sign our lives over into the service of panic or hand-wringing self-righteousness. 
We can breathe. We can get out, get clear on our most basic values. We can breathe. We can breathe. Blessed are you, breath, for you are the spirit that sustains me in difficult days. Blessed are you, breath. Let us breathe together.
It's so great to be here. I feel as if I've been a fly on the wall of this community since beloved West member Donna Taylor is the administrator at my congregation. <laughs> so for the last few weeks after Amanda had asked me to come speak, I've been buzzing with Donna. So how do they do this? And it's a platform, and it's a chorus, and it's a program. By getting to know Donna and hearing about the goings-on of this community and with profound gratitude and respect for Amanda, it is a joy to join you here this morning. Oceans of Plenty. So as you may have noticed in my introduction, sometimes when people meet me, and I hear offerings of sketches of my life and vocation. I see this look of bewilderment and sheer puzzlement. I watch them as they do the mental calisthenics of how a lifelong Unitarian Universalist, raised in the River Road Unitarian, Unitarian Universalist congregation in Bethesda, can find herself as an army chaplain. A chaplain and a licensed professional counselor, a person of color, a solo mother of two children, black belt and karate, devout gym enthusiast, <laughs> a bodhisattva meets scholar meets servant. An army chaplain where the overwhelming majority are male, white, evangelical Christians and only 4% of the chaplains are female. You got all that? <laughs> so people ask me, what made you join? It's been almost 15 years for me now. What made me raise my hand? And perhaps I can break it down to one question that haunts me and reassures me in times of doubt. If not me, then who? If not me, then who? If I'm not the one willing to stand in the gap and serve a broader diversity of people, then who? If I am not willing to give of my time, my energy, my heart, and my life towards a better tomorrow for people who are hurting and bruised and broken, then who? This is an orientation of heart, a sacrifice for the greater good. What does that say up there? Yes. So we consider this question today as we take a moment to pause and reflect on upcoming Veterans Day. This is a day to remember and honor those who have served and are serving our country. But I must say the military is inherently an apolitical organization under civilian, God help us all, under civilian control. <laughs> and the vast majority of service members and veterans do not dictate where or when we engage in military conflicts. Ours is to do or die, not question why. We, they, raise our hands, answering the call to service by pledging our lives. And on this day, 
If you take even just one moment to thank a service member or a veteran in your life, I humbly ask you, please turn to their spouse. Please turn to their parents, their children, their loved ones, and offer a word of appreciation for their service and sacrifice as well. I may offer, may offer my time, my energy, and my life to serve. I like going to the field. I like playing in the dirt. I like playing soldier. But my parents and my children and my loved ones, they did not answer the call to service. They are the ones who must cover down in my absence, tuck my children into bed at night, hug them close when I cannot. So yes, Veterans Day is for veterans, but let us not forget our families and those who make this service possible. I love being a military chaplain. I've been on active duty off and on as a reserve component chaplain for over 10 years, so I wore pajamas to work every day. Going to the gym was required. Combat boots were more common than heels, which is why I always preach in heels now. <laughs> I love being a military chaplain as a Unitarian Universalist minister. And the Unitarians and the Universalists actually have a long legacy of service in the military. All the way back, does anyone know? All the way back to who? I heard children, more than an answer. Yes, all the way back to George Washington, who charged the Continental Congress to have chaplains to encourage men's souls. Some of the first chaplains were Unitarians. And at times it has been a complex dynamic, as you can imagine. The founding minister of the Unitarian Society of Geneva, for example, was the Reverend Augustus Cannot. What a great name. Reverend Augustus Cannot served in the 19th Illinois Regiment from 1861 to 1863. Now, Reverend Cannot was a devout pacifist but chose to join the Union Army because he believed that slavery was an evil far greater than war. He wrote in a letter to his wife, I feel dreadfully at times, saddened, sickened, and disgusted at the doings of war. But as bad as it is, the injustice and oppression perpetuated for ages is worse so if the war be needed, so that justice, mercy, and truth, which is the kingdom of God, we must fight till his kingdom come. In his service as an army chaplain, he wrote home of his experiences. And I res resonate with his experience. One day he procured the use of a Baptist meeting house in Elizabethtown, Kentucky in November of 1861 to hold worship for his regiment and many local civilians attended his service as well. Now when I'm out in the field, every time the chaplain shows up, it's Sunday, regardless if it's Thursday, Monday night, two o'clock in the morning or five o'clock in the afternoon. It's Sunday and it's time for chapel. So chapel for me is the back of a Humvee 
a clearing in the woods, or a patch of dirt. It's okay, you can talk. (laughs) Chaplain Cannot writes of his experience procuring this Baptist meeting house. It happened that I had a sermon on the war in which I expressed my views pretty freely, particularly on the confiscation of the slave property of the rebels and the emancipation of the rebellious states. For once in their lives, they had an opportunity to hear a little plain preaching on the subject of slavery. And I had an opportunity to preach without hindrance or fear of molestation to slaveholders in a slave state. Dr. King said, what is the most segregated hour of the week in this country? It is Sunday. As a Unitarian Universalist minister and military chaplain, that is my opportunity to preach to a huge diversity of people. To bring them our good, saving word of radical acceptance and love made real through service and sacrifice in the world. That's what I hear in Chaplain Cannot's story. But sadly, he fell ill in 1863, and he died in a hospital. His son, writing of his father's last few days, shared this account from one of the chaplain's own soldiers who wrote, I can never forget the night of 31st December, when the chaplain labored all night long, seeking the wounded. I can hear his voice now, loud and clear in the still air, crying, Are there any wounded here that need help? And so the chaplain labored to the end. When we said, chaplain, you must rest or you will die, he always replied, boys, while you suffer, I cannot rest. If I die, I will die helping you. Chaplains often chaplains from the start of our training So imagine this, on the first day of chaplain officer basic course, so I'm a direct commission, I did not go to basic training, hand me a weapon and I wouldn't know what to do with it. I have a chaplain assistant who's responsible for my safety at all times. So on the first day of chaplain officer basic course, the story of the four chaplains is told. Has anyone heard this story before, the story of the four chaplains? On February 3rd in 1943, the SS Dorchester, a passenger ship, was torpedoed by a German U-boat and began to sink. There were four chaplains on board, four military chaplains, one Catholic priest, two Protestant ministers, and one rabbi. And they rushed to help the passengers passing out life jackets, making sure that people got on the rescue boats. And when the life jackets had all been given out, they took off their own and they gave them to people trying to find safety. With no life jackets left and the rescue boats full and refusing to take another's place, the four chaplains linked arms on the deck of the Dorchester and began to pray. Began to pray and sing together. As the ship went down, 
the four chaplains were seen and heard praying and singing together. A testament, there's their service and sacrifice, their faith and their ability to come together in the midst of crisis. Now, this was a transformational moment in America when we were still so divided around religion. It was seen as one of the first most profound interfaith actions in service. Why do I share this story? Well, in the Chaplain Corps, we hear it every February 3rd. But I remember that first time hearing this story. My heart was moved by their selflessness and for the tragedy of so many lives lost. I remember feeling in that moment I was prepared to make a similar choice given the occasion too. And I'm not alone. I know that many of you sitting here today exist in a world with a similar calling for service on your hearts, and I can prove it to you. How many of you have served in the military? How many of you are spouses or children of service members? How many of you serve the federal, state, or local government? How many of you are related to someone who has or is? How many of you have served in the Peace Corps or AmeriCorps or Doctors Without Borders or the Red Cross, Red Crescent, or a similar service organization? How many of you have supported financially or volunteered your time and heart in service of these organizations? How many of you have served this community Wes, with your leadership, your volunteer hours. How many of you come early and stay late (laughs) and clean and prepare and make copies and sing and lead and love? Now, I'm pretty sure every single person in this room raised their hand at some point. Can identify yourselves somewhere amongst all of these questions. That is a culture of service. That is a heart of service. On this day, though, we also consider more broadly what it means to serve and sacrifice as a spiritual orientation in the world. What it means to be a citizen of this country even in extremely turbulent times, how we agitate for change and lift up the voices of those on the margins, those who are overlooked politically and economically, socially disenfranchised. Now, why did I start with history? Because history holds us accountable to our future and our shared vision and purpose and mission in the world. So yes, the Unitarians may have had a heart of service, of pacifism, of working against slavery, but it took generations to include black and brown people in our congregations. All souls in D.C. was segregated until the 40s and 50s. It took generations for black ministers to serve the denomination 
It took until 1971 for the first female chaplain to join the army, three years before I was born. History holds us accountable to who we choose to include in our story as we seek to change tomorrow. So let us consider this idea of service then. Mahatma Gandhi said, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. I love that quote, but actually Gandhi didn't say it. (laughs) As I was tracing down the exact reference, there's no evidence that Gandhi said it, but it is a beautiful quote. In digging around for the original source, a column called A Few Words with a Lady of the House in the San Francisco Call, a newspaper dated from December 10th in 1908, actually said something pretty similar to the Gandhi quote. A lady of a few words with a lady of the house writes this. Have you sorrows or trials that seem heavy to bear? Then let me tell you that one of the best ways in the world to lighten and to sweeten them is to lose yourself in the service of others, in helping to bear and lighten those of your fellow man. Service is connected to the greatest good to the transcendent intention of bringing justice to the forefront of our values as a nation until one day, one day justice transcends the arbitrary boundaries of nation to to unite our shared humanity. So one of my nicknames is Chaplain Pollyanna. The other one is the charming steamroller, but that's a different story. (laughs) Chaplain Pollyanna, because far too often I am hopeful, impossibly optimistic, and way too cheery at 4 o'clock in the morning. Impossibly optimistic for the good in others, for the will towards good in us all. And to explain it, I'm reminded of the words, the farewell address of General George Patton when he said it best to the cadets at West Point. The soldier above all prays for peace, for he must suffer and bear the deepest wounds and scars of war. I know this suffering. I know what it's like to live in a civilian world with the imprint of military service on my body, bearing the spiritual scars and trauma of war that too few understand and truly could understand from the comfort of our homes and communities. I know what it's like to rebuild a life with part of your heart gone, I have watched my friends and colleagues and do it as as well. And yet, we choose to believe. We choose to believe in and work towards a world that is better for our children and our children's children. We answer that question, if not me, then who? 
This is the essence of the intersection of service and creation in keeping in the forefront of our intention the greatest good. The greatest good in the world and centering the presence of those who are disconnected from power and privilege. We are abundant in our ways to serve because we are abundant in our hope for a better tomorrow. We are abundant in our service because we are abundant in our love. As I mentioned, one of my most favorite people in the world is West member Donna Taylor. I always know when Donna's at the U Congregation of Rockville because her car is parked out front And if you've seen Donna's car, the bumper sticker on the back emblazons the Thomas Paine quote, my country is the world and my religion is to do good. So may you be blessed and encouraged and strengthened in your service of this community in hopes for a better tomorrow May we continue to be abundant in our service because we are abundant in our love. May it be so. Dearest son, it's almost June I hope this letter catches up with you And finds you well It's been dry, but they're calling for rain Everything's the same old same In Johnsonville Stubborn old daddy ain't said to but I'm sure you know he sends his love She goes on In a letter from home I hold it up and I show my body's like We ain't scared and our boots ain't muddy They all laugh cause there's something funny About the way I talk and I say mama sends her the best y'all Fold it up and put it in my shirt Pick up my gun and get back to work And it keeps me driving on Waiting on Letters from home Dearest love, it's almost done I've been lying here all night long Wondering where you might be Saw your mama and I showed her the ring Man on the television said something So I couldn't sleep I'll be alright, I'm just missing you 
This is me kissing you X's and O's In a letter from home I hold it up and I show my buddies Like we ain't scared and our boots ain't muddy They all laugh cause she, she calls me honey But they take it hard Cause I don't read the good part Fold it up and put it in my shirt Pick up my gun and get back to work And it keeps me driving on Waiting on Letters from home Dear son, I know I haven't written Sitting here tonight alone in the kitchen, it occurs to me I might not have said it, so I'll say it now Son, you make me proud I hold it up and show my buddies We ain't scared and our boots ain't muddy, but no one laughs, cause there ain't nothing funny when a soldier cries. I just wipe my eyes. Fold it up and put it in my shirt. Pick up my gun and get back to work. And it keeps me driving on. Waiting on. Letters from 